the crop. Here. Who the f is that guy? I'm an officer. I'm better than you. And you know it. I'm kind of all. This is The Law, live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of The Law, live audio wrestling. Once again, I am your host, Chris Tidwell, and joining me each and every week, my partner in crime, my alibi, my ride or die, my right-hand man, Mr. Brady Wedham. Brady, how you doing this week, pal? I am doing fantastic, my friend. Thank you very much for having me back again on The Law. Uh, thank you to all the listeners last week. And we've got an exciting week here. We've had a lot happen over the past week here. Listen, you pretty much hit it right on the head, buddy. Um, first and foremost, thank you to everybody that made that debut last week a resounding success. Um, more than we could have ever expected, more than we could have ever anticipated. And because of all of you, it looks like uh, we're going to be around for at least another episode. This is like the uh, the first season of Saturday Night Live, where they weren't expecting to come back after the first one, but things hit it off pretty well. And so look at that. Look at that. Here we are once again. And this week, this week, we're going to do a little bit of a rundown um, on the, whew, I almost said it already, the Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory pay-per-view. Um, we'll get into that a little bit. There is going to be a full breakdown being done over on Sunday night's main event, uh, later on, please check out that show amongst all of the other great shows on the SNME radio network, also available on every single one of your podcast providers and available on, uh, TSN Montreal, 690, all those stations across Canada, uh, check out, check out. Boris's review of impact. I guarantee it's going to be great tonight. It's going to be fantastic, but we are going to touch base because, you know, we have friends that work in the company and we would be remiss if we did not. We're also going to talk to Steve Swift from rambling reviews. He's going to give us a breakdown on the NXT break, uh, uh, Halloween havoc yep. show that's coming up. The two, I, night, I look for, two nights, two nights, chaos, over two weeks. Man. This is going to be fantastic. Listen, NXT is, is doing all of, the right things right now you can tell they're a wwe product you can you can tell that you know they are not the raw or smackdown show but they've created such an important niche to that company it's unbelievable if you haven't checked out any of the nxt like pay-per-views do yourself a favor they deliver so hard the thing even their weekly tv is very intimate I don't know if it's just because of the facility they're in and it's the same crowd. Like, I know it's really hard to get in there. It's a very limited crowd, but it, it is such an intimate experience. And uh, it, it does translate over to the pay-per-views. Well, something that wasn't an intimate experience, and we're going to talk about this one as well. We're going to get into this one. UFC 294 took place uh, this past weekend in, in Etihad Arena. Oh, you said United that very Air well. I practiced. You said that better. <laughs> you said that better than John Anik. <laughs> I practiced. Uh, 
That might have been AI, folks. We plopped that in later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> um, that was one hell of a card that was mired in a slight bit of controversy. A slight I, bit? I, I mean, it worked out in my favor, so to speak, um, you know, but I am excited to tell you how my picks went. And if you haven't, if you haven't listened to any of our advice, you might want to think about doing it going forward, ladies and gentlemen. The so, listeners cannot see the smile on your face. Like, I have not seen Chris smile like this in a very long time. All I'm going to say, I'm not going to ruin what's about to happen here. You'll hear it later on in the show when we talk about it. Chris did very well. I did very, very well. Did very well. And most importantly, at the end of the, all of this, you know, we are going to have a nice sit down. Uh, that I conducted with good friend and impact wrestling superstar, one Mr. Crazy Steve. So you don't want to miss that one for sure. We are going to, you know, it's a very, very personal uh, sit down conversation. Uh, some of the stuff that you may not have ever heard before. So I look forward to that. And, and but, Steve is such such a gem. Uh, let's stick around. Definitely, that is that is quite the sit down. It's it's going to be fantastic. But like I said, but 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 before we get into any of that, how's your week been, Brady? I, I'm I'm remiss if I didn't ask you because it's just been a whirlwind since the last show came out. Right? Well, so harvest is harvest is officially done. Uh, yes. So uh, all my vegetables are canned, uh, okay. so to speak. All right. I am uh, moving soon. I'm uh, going to go up north and spend a couple months up in the winter at uh, my cottage up there. Um, so I'm just packing up my condo. I'm going to find a new place when I come back. But I, I need a bit of a retreat. So that's how my week's been going. I've been planning for my winter retreat coming. So you're getting ready to hibernate, so to speak. going to hibernate for a couple months. I'm going to come back, do some work, close out some work for the winter, and then uh, I think head to Cozumel, Mexico, if my luck goes accordingly. You know, there is no better place to hibernate than into the middle of the woods. There's a reason that you don't see bears hibernate in the city. It's not so good. It's not fun. It, did I figure out the perfect winter? If I'm going to spend like three months up north in the middle of nowhere, then another three months or so in Cozumel, Mexico, in the sun on the beach. I think well, that's I a mean, perfect winter. I mean, if it was if it was me, if it was me, if you're asking if it's me, then no. <clears throat> what would you do, sir? Uh, I would have just spent the entire six months in Cozumel, Mexico. Oh, I, I thought you meant bear hunting up north. No, I'm not a, I'm not an outdoor winter kind of dude. Well, you're born you know? in Vegas. Like people, yeah. if, if listeners don't know, Chris, uh, it just fill them in a little bit. You were born in Vegas. So you spent most of your life in the desert. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, born and raised in Las Vegas, moved around, but pretty much everywhere all along the West coast. You know what I mean? So California into Washington state, Washington state has a lot of, a lot of weather that's like here in in Ontario, Canada, where we are. Um, so I, I get it. I don't like winter, though. It's it, and and the older you get, you understand. Like when you were younger, you know, you would look at it and you'd be like, oh, all these silly old people taking off to Florida or taking off to California. You know what I mean for the winter time? Ah, snowbirds. Ah, but as you get older, you're like, oh, oh, that's the next level right there. You look forward to that look forward to being able to go away someplace nice so i understand because you are a canadian and the hibernation into the snow uh is something that y'all do 
But for myself, I am completely on board with that snowbird mentality where you take off for the entire winter and you go someplace warm until, you know, it, it's kind of like kind of like the old days when you were a bank robber and you would bail to Mexico until the heat wore down and then you could come back. That's the way I look at winter. You got to get away from it and then come back when, you know, the weather is nice again. See, I think I'm a typical Canadian. I see the winter like a wife, like a significant other. Like, I don't hate it. I put up with it. I just deal with it. Right? But I don't I don't love it. Okay. I may. Like, I would miss it if it was gone. Uh, would I need, you? I need a little bit of it around. I wouldn't. I, like would not, Patrice, I would not. I would not. It's the Patrice O'Neill effect. It's like, I want you there, but I don't want you in the room. Like, I want you around. Like, I'm maybe hiding in the vents or something, but it would suck if you weren't there. But I don't want you around. I... I feel like you're skating in dangerous territory. Yeah, I am. I grew up with a. <laughs> I grew up with a brother who was. Hey, obsessed. I want a wife who's locked up in the basement. Wait, no, that's not what I meant. I meant the oh. winter. Oh, I want to okay. lock the winter up in the basement. You want winter lock? Yeah. Okay, well, listen. I don't know the names of the people you marry. I grew up with a brother that was obsessed with winter, so I sure. couldn't. I I know what it's like to have a Canadian sibling who the very first time snow fell, he was outside already working on the sled. Like it's just slush on the ground. He's like, skidoo, let's go. So there is, you're right. There's a lot of Canadians who embrace this winter thing. I don't mind it for the first couple of months. The last couple of months are horrendous. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I've not, I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan. Um, I don't, you know, but listen, the one thing that I do appreciate is spring because it tells me that it's over. It tells me that there's uh change coming. And that the weather is, you know, starting to come back. The fact of the matter is that usually around Halloween time is when the weather really starts to go to garbage here in Canada. And then you're looking at, you know, May, sometimes beginning of June before it gets any good again. Right. So that's a long that's a long stretch of of garbage weather. But the one thing that you look forward to is you look forward to change. Well, things always just even with change things always just come back around full tilt again, right? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, you think about fashion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you straight up, nobody in their right mind came up with these high-waisted bell-bottom jeans oh, as a new thing that uh, that people are wearing. You know Can what we I go mean? back to yoga pants, please? <laughs> There's a reason they were a hit, ladies and Guys gentlemen. and gals, put your yoga pants back on. Even the dudes. Could you imagine all if all of a sudden dudes just started rocking Lululemons <laughs> with no with no cod pieces or cups? Sir, you are now heading into dangerous territory. With that said, let's talk about change, but let's talk about cyclical change coming back around again. T. Nope. And nope. It's there. No. T. And don't say it. If you say it three times, it'll come back. It's you realize that. TNA total uh, nonstop action. Total well, nonstop action. Well, it looks like Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory is is going to go down as the uh, you know Bound for Change, so to speak. The last impact, the last impact pay per view. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and maybe that was maybe that was the message. Maybe they think that maybe Impact thinks that Bound for Glory, the glory is changing the name back to. TNA total nonstop action. Um, who knows? I mean, they do have the 
what is it? The IPWHFQ show coming up, you know, um, where everybody does the flashback. IP flashback. To, I believe I, is that what it is? I believe, and that's at Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga. So, I mean, doing the throwback thing, the TNA throwback thing. I mean, does this mean? Does this mean that we can maybe see our our friend, our good friend, um, Super E, come back? EY <laughs> Super Eric, <laughs> Super please don't. Eric? I, I don't I, know. I, Okay, so I got a little story, but it's <laughs> this is a total segue. But speaking of Super Eric, so he's yeah. he's down there, he's doing that gimmick. Anybody that doesn't know, I was trained by Eric Young, so I know I know I know Eric enough to reach out to him uh, when he was during that stint. I said to him, like, "Hey, buddy, I'm heading down there soon. Um, you know, let's link up, blah blah blah, come to a show." And I'm like, "This e the Super Eric thing." I'm like, "What's this?" This is yeah. when we first started, and he goes. Um, and I, I hate to, I, I know he probably wouldn't be mad if I said it. He just goes, look at, I'm getting paid to, to do nothing, man. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I get it. All right. I get it. It took me a second. I was like, whoa, he just figured out a way to make a good living for four years without really having to do anything. Well, uh, listen, it's smart booking. When you can find yourself a character like that, that people, you know, relate to. Um, the problem is, is eventually you have to show that if you're going to be a superhero, you have to either go one of two ways. You either have to be the bumbling superhero, like, like the tick, you know what I mean? The guy who like, or the pink Panther, you know, who guys, he falls into a win, so to speak, or you have to, or you have to embrace that super character, you know, persona, uh, to the point of almost comic, you know, uh, like, like, like hurricane did, right? Like like Shane did with his because you what's up with that fantastic it was great like he he did fantastic and then they stuck him with Rosie and they did like it was you can't I mean come on in this day and age unless you have actual superpowers you have to you have to understand that it's comic relief and it's a comic relief spot yeah well and this make everything comical and speaking of Eric Young, so last night he comes he comes uh, into this battle royal, the pick your spot or choose your spot battle royal. I think there could have been a stronger spot for him, but I know that they this is a big show. They're just trying to get everybody on there. Right. The MF Doom mask that he's been wearing recently is not not the best mask in wrestling right now. Yeah, it's it a slept on mask. It's 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 pretty good. I mean, he started off, you know, with the with the Cheevers, the old uh, hockey mask. Yep. Right. And then and then it kind of morphed into this and that's great. Yeah, I get it. The 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 battle royal thing. Listen, you had so much going on on this pay per view to begin with, and you obviously had to keep time at the end of it for the uh, we're back promo. But throwing everybody and trying to create storylines out of a battle royal is always tough. It's always going to be tough because you saw you know the the things that they did like with with Crazy Steve. Um, you know, uh, attacking Swinger right away and then Dreamer coming out. So they're keeping that storyline going because, you know, to which would be a great, great match for the TNA comeback. You know what I mean? Um, you had some inductions. It's, it's kind of weird that they would do Hall of Fame inductions on a show that they knew that at the very end of this, they were just changing the name. But I don't book it or write it. <laughs> Everybody's just trying to make sense out of it. Is is Tracy Brooks is Tracy Brooks also a TNA uh, Hall of Fame 
wrestler now at this point, or do you have to, do you get a chance to bring all of them back to do this all over again? I think, I think it's, everything's just going to translate over. I th- I'm pretty sure everybody already calls it TNA. I never stopped calling it TNA. To me, it's just always been TNA. I actually kind of had to correct myself on a couple of these shows on the networks. Um, yeah, I always call it TNA. Well, and you're probably not the only one, which is, you know, I'm sure that this is, this is stuff that gets into people's ears. Mm-hmm. And this is why these things happen, you know, um, probably more than one fan, uh, you know, wants to, wants to embrace the TNA name more than they do the impact name. And they liked the TNA concept. Now, the I mean, three who doesn't match- like TNA? <laughs> the, the three matches we talked about last week. Um, let's review those real quick. So we had sure. Chris Saban versus Kenta. Chris Saban held on to his X Division title in a very smash mouth, very New Japan style match. Um, I think that was kind of written on the wall. Uh, they needed to put Saban over strong. I think uh, Scott and the writing team is really behind Chris. They always have been. It's nice mm-hmm. to see that Chris is still going hard. He used to party with Chris back in the day. He's a great guy. Second, we had, I'm going to go into the main first, just because you'll understand sure. why. Yeah, yeah. So we had Josh and Alex Shelley. Wrist lock masterclass. I called it. As the match was going, I'm like, there's another wrist lock. There's another wrist yeah. lock. There's another wrist <laughs> lock. There's another wrist lock. He got it with the wrist lock. Uh, fantastic change wrestling, smash mouth, uh, very, I guess, um, old psychology, but with a very new twist on the way that they were working in the ring. Uh, Josh still takes some of the gnarliest bumps I've ever seen with a guy with a repaired neck. And, uh, they kept Alex Shelley very strong, very yeah. strong. Well, in this. well, I mean, it made, it, it made sense because what you saw prior to all of that was a lot of like shotgun starts. You know yep. what I mean? Like right out the gate, everything was boom, 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 boom. So for for Josh and and Alex to come out there and do what they did makes complete sense. It's smart. Let's we they basically took that and were like, we need to build this like it's its own thing from the bottom all the way up and crescendo it at the main event. There's a reason that it was in the main event. There's no doubt about it. Um, it could have been argued, but I get it on name value and just because it was for the title. Because the other match, and I think not just mine, but probably everybody's opinion, um, I don't. Here's the problem that I have, though, is I don't want to call it a coming out party, uh, because I mean the talent has always been there with Mike Bailey, um, but this is definitely the biggest, probably the biggest opponent um, on TV that Mike Bailey has been in there with and Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey. I mean, that match can be put as a main event anywhere in the entire world. No doubt about it. So Will Ospreay is up four to one now on Bailey throughout their entire career. And I don't think anybody cares. I think if you said that that match is going to happen again next week, everyone's tuning in. I didn't oh, even know that stat. Yeah. Oh, so they've, they, and what the announcers through TNA were very, uh, uh, they, they were reminding people throughout the entire thing. Even when it was the finish, it was like, okay, you know, Will got up, uh, got up on, on Bailey again. So there was a bit of a, of a stat thing there. I think it's, they were trying to tell the story that they've known each other for a while. They know each other's styles for a while. They're both, uh, in positions where they may be considered the best in ring workers, definitely in the top 10 in the world right now. And they showed exactly why they're in that list last night. 
fantastic. Um, I'm probably going to watch it again this week, and I'll keep it on my uh, forever 2023 list. The only thing that I I don't like about matches like this, uh, in my opinion anyways, and this is just me, this is just me probably just being old. The only thing that I don't like about matches like this is the fact that they hit so much stuff and everything has its own frigging name and you can never keep up with what the names of what are. Wow, I just forgot about the... So it was the... Me- I don't even remember. The Meteor Bust of something. There was a a Spanish fly flipping fisherman's buster off the top rope. Oh, the, the Meteor Rain top rope fisherman's buster? You did not just... Where did you... How did you find that? Uh, you remember you that? Do, the Meteor... Oh, uh, well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the name of it. Like, What's how do the you... name of it? <laughs> Meteor Rain. One more time? It's Meteor Rain. Yeah. <laughs> Top Rope Meteor Rain Fisherman's Buster. Yeah. This is getting out of control now, guys. It, yeah. A Fisherman's Buster from the Top Rope. It's fan- Unbelievable. Flipping. Flipping. Yeah. Just, yeah. And it, 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 it it didn't look like it was that bad of a landing either. I was like, holy crap, he pulled that shit, bro. He pulled that shit off. Things like Poison Rana and and, and Flamingo Driver and Stormbreaker. You're just reading the and list of- Hidden Blade. <laughs> like, what are we doing, people? <laughs> what are we doing here? Oh, you broke me. Okay, you know what? Check out Bound for Glory 2023. There is a large list of names. We've got to move on. We need to take a sponsor break. You need to catch your breath by the I sounds of it. To- so let's let's let somebody who's pre-recorded in here to do this. Uh, you're listening to the law live audio wrestling. Uh, be sure to send any of your questions and comments to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com. And we'll be right back after this very quick, hopefully, so Brady can catch his breath break Sunday, October 29th at the Oasis Convention Center from 11 a.m. until 5 p.m. The Awesome Toy Show is making its long-awaited return. The Awesome Toy Show is a premier pop culture event in Mississauga for all your toys, collectibles, anime, artist alley, trading cards, gaming needs, and more. With their unique blend of vendors, artist cosplay contests, hourly raffle prizes, and live entertainment, they provide an awesome experience for everyone involved. The event is also driven with a charitable cause as they partner with Toronto Community Housing to gather toy donations and directly give back to those in need. Enter for your chance to win $2,500 for your holiday shopping. Sponsored by kingofprint.ca to enter, purchase raffle tickets at their show for your chance to win. Yet again, it is located at the Oasis Convention Center that is 1036 Lakeshore Road East in Mississauga, Ontario from 11 a.m. till 5 p.m. The Awesome Toy Show. Hello, special friends. 
You can catch Greg and Brad, your smack daddies, each weekend on the SNME Radio Network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. Please subscribe to get your Smack Daddies and the rest of the SME Radio Network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones! And we're back. This is The Law Live Audio Wrestling. I am your host, Chris Tidwell, and I hopefully, hopefully, my co-host has caught his breath after all of that, Mr. Brady Wedham. And right now, right now, we're going to talk in depth. Oh, I'm excited about this. We're going to talk in depth about UFC 294 from Atid Arena was so stoked to wake up in the morning make a coffee eastern standard time it was 10 a.m yeah we got the prelims they started at 10 a.m 2 p.m for the main card but it was just like a full day of fights i didn't know what to do with myself at the end of the day it's like sunday football day on your on the west coast on the west coast you know what i mean because on the east coast everything starts at one o'clock in the afternoon but that's that's a 10 o'clock that's a 10 o'clock start now could you imagine living on the west coast and waking up for these fights like on a Saturday morning, 7 a.m., you grab your bowl of cereal and sit down to watch a whole lot of face punchy action coming to you from from the Middle East in one of the in one of like, listen, they filled this arena up like from the get go oh, it's crazy. They were excited as hell. And the UFC did a fantastic job of showcasing all of the fighters that they can make money off of in that region, in that area. No doubt about it. They even had a couple of people making their debuts. Um, They had, you know, uh, a fighter making his debut. The first ever UFC fighter from India looking to break into that market as well. They had a a bona fide killer looking to make his debut uh, into the UFC. We're talking a a ginger Russian with one eye. I mean, yeah, it almost said, what else are you going to do but learn how to just absolutely destroy human beings? The new bullet. The new Russian bullet. It's crazy. So, 294. Let's get into this. I was the, so the lead up into this event was hyped like none other. We had Rightfully two, so. two, the main and the co main were switched out within about two weeks' notice. We had a jacked card full of yeah. Dagestanis, Russians, mm-hmm. very one sided. A lot of the fights. Some were very predictable. Some were very unpredictable. We had a a man who's probably dead this morning and a doctor who interfered. We had early odd judges. But somehow, with all of that, 
mixing in a in a mixing pot and a blender together, we got one hell of a UFC. Yeah, this entire thing started off, and let me tell you, it was a 13-fight card. That means there's 13 fights on there. And if you go back and you listen to us and we break this thing kind of down and we give our picks, you know what I mean, for all of these fights. And, and the day of, I woke up in the morning and I, I took the snapshot of all of my picks and I sent it off to our group. And I even texted it, uh, texted it to them, and I tweeted it out. And you can you go put check it on that socials. out. Yeah, I did. I did. I was very confident in this. Right. And you, you can were. check all of those out. You can please follow uh, follow us on Twitter at the law wrestling. Um, you know, that's where we are on Twitter. Are we? OK, yes. we got a Twitter handle now. Yeah, we have a Twitter handle now. That's where we are. Uh, and of course. All of my personal socials at Notorious TID as well. Um, so I put this picture out there and here's my picks. I put little crowns on who I thought was a winner and scratched out, you know, and read who was going to end up losing this thing. It was very fights. cute of you, big man. 13 fights. That's a big parlay. And I threw this parlay down. I threw it down. And, and, and if you know us and you listen to us, you see that we throw these big, long parlays down, you know, with only a dollar on it. Now, this one, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to take. I just did a a, a um, money line picks for everybody, okay. not not round and finish because I had a feeling. I had a feeling a lot of these fights were going to go decision, right? And the ones that you know did fantastic. The ones that didn't fantastic as well. So I threw these things down, and as the night was going along, I realized, holy shit, I, I'm doing really good on these picks. Well, you started messaging me around four and zero. Oh. Yeah, and you were like, "Hey, I'm four and zero oh already on the parlay." I was like, "Not bad, giving you a little rock on." And then yeah. the next time it was like, "Hey, six and zero oh here." I'm like, "Wait a second, what?" Yeah, you're like, "Hey, yo, I'm nine and zero." Oh. I'm like, "Wait, Chris, what?" So you need to explain. You probably could have walked out of here with a new house if there wasn't some interference going on. Yeah, absolutely. So we start. Listen, we'll we'll break it down and we'll talk about Let's that as that. we get to it. That's the so the whole thing starts off with who we were talking about earlier. Uh, the weight fight, the bullet, Shara Bullet Magomedov taking on Bruno Silva. One hell of a test for a kid who's coming in, making his debut, right? Making his debut in the UFC. Now, meanwhile, you know he's he's probably you know they were saying 70 and O with like his actual fights because he would fight in these tournaments, in these you, do tournaments. all day tournaments, yeah, all day, all weekend tournaments. And he would do 10 fights. They said in a day, unbelievable. Yeah. It's insane. Grand unbelievable. Breeze. And Bruno Silva is no slouch. So this thing turned into a crazy fight, a really good fight. It was a that, good fight. that showed probably, listen, my best, my highlight that popped me, I don't know what it was for you, but the one that popped I me texted fight, you my pop, my highlight, the the, the I'm going to lay on my back and yes. kick you in the face move from Magomedov. He did I was a like breakdancing move, man. What? Yeah, he was doing like capoeira on his back like, yeah. and it worked. It actually unbelievable. It, if it was anybody else but Silva, he probably would have rocked him. Yeah. Silva's just got that. He's never been knocked out. No, Silva's yeah. he's been finished with submissions, but he's never been knocked out. Every fight that he's in is always going to be a dog fight. Silva actually came out. He very well could have won that fight if they were in a, if they were in, let's say New York. You know what? The judges could have gave him that fight. Very well could have. 
Yeah, very well could have. Definitely, you could see that it was it was the wrestling of Silva uh, that was working. You know what I mean? Like he was able to take him down at will. Magomedov's style dictates that like he's he's kind of the way that he throws so many kicks. As soon as you can kind of start figuring it out, which is what Silva did and took him down, he just couldn't do any damage because Magomedov from the bottom was like, oh, my God, he it was like he was being victimized and did not want to be on the bottom at all. So he was inflicting well, so much more damage. DC said that he's a he's the type of dude where he's training 24 seven. And when he takes a vacation for a weekend, he goes he flies to Dagestan to do wrestling. So his vacation is wrestling. Yeah, he needs to make that part of his camp full time. And 100%. I think we're going to we're going to see a completely different fighter the next time around. Absolutely. We will. Absolutely. And that's the thing. When you see a guy like this and you can catch them and watch them evolve inside of the UFC, that to me is is fantastic. Moving on, we had a woman's straw weight match with, again, another fighter from Russia, mm-hmm. Victoria Dudakova, right? Taking on Jin Yun Fry. Um, Fry Yun, looks like Fry. Jin Yun Fry looks, looks like Don Fry unbelievable like she is in some of the best shape of her life unfortunately Crazy. she comes up you know on the on the on the end a bad end of a decision in this one you know Dudakova, another russian fighter like i said now pay attention people because i said that this fight card is being set up to dictate who would win yep and i kind of noticed that out the gate so that's why i made the picks the that picks. i made right? yeah yeah they were pretty blatant in some of them then we had then we had a fight in the featherweight division. Nathaniel Wood taking on Muhammad Namoff. Of course, you know again another decision. So now we've gone three decisions out the gate, and usually this means that by this point guys are being talked to in the back. Hey, let's uh, let's get after it out there, boys. Like we've had three decisions. These these fans came for some rock'em sock'em robots. Let's give it to them. And in the three decisions, there's one thing I do have to mention. There was a theme going all night. Um, there was about 12 nut shots in those three decisions so far. Well, this was a night of rupture. Depends on testicles. who you asked. Yeah. If it, it was it was 12. If you asked anybody with eyes, it was only 11. If you asked the doctor that yeah. they had at ringside. And we'll get into that in a second. Next fight up w- was probably one of the craziest third rounds <laughs> I've seen in a while. And this was a guy and Shul Jubilee making his debut, right? Uh, yeah, Indian Jubilee. fighter, right? Jubilee making his debut against Mike Breeden, American in the lightweight division. And that started off like Jubilee had, he was, he was taking him to town. Mike Breeden showed up to this fight with half an eye. Yeah. Yeah. What? That piece of skin that was hanging off of his face in it was hanging in the middle of his actual iris it was this i was texting you saying dude i'm gonna throw up this is and i'm good with the fights and and chunks of skin like i'll look i don't care about that at all yeah but that was disgusting well it was probably a little distracting too to jubilee you know as you've got like hey this guy's throwing punches and i'm distracted by this flap this eyebrow flap that's waving at me going hello how are you and then when he got to the corner for the beginning of the third round, they ripped it clean off and just went, Boop, here you go. Gone. But, and the fact that he came back out and started screaming USA in this guy's face broke nope. him, started barking at him. Yeah. Barking and screaming started USA. barking at him. And Jubilee was like, 
uh, we're in here for a, a, a fight contest. You yeah. know that? Like, this is crazy. And then Breeden started pulling off his best Max Holloway, you know, just like while barking at him, screaming at him and popping shots John right Strickland. in between. Just yep. kept just throwing these shots. And he, he dogged up. Oh, he dogged. Mike Breeden uh, dogged up and yeah. then basically got the finish in this, round three with a big man, old KO. This man said, not happening. -uh. I don't care if I go to sleep. Uh -uh. USA. <laughs> and by all counts, they want, like, on paper, Jubilee is the guy that you want to win. Yeah, no, he was a lot because of you go him. you go into that uh, you go into that into that crowd, into that market, that Indian market. Yeah. Right. And it's just smart. It's just absolutely smart. Then then we start getting into, you know, you you, you thought you were going to have Abu Azatar against Cedric Dumas. You thought that this was going to be a fight where you could showcase Azatar. I didn't I, think that this was going to be the case. I did not think that this was Dumas was going to be this hesitant. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to be as hesitant as he was. I did have him down for the win in this oh, one because I didn't yep. think you fly him. You fly somebody all the way over, you know what I mean? Just to, just to get in there, just to be fodder for a guy who's very suspect in his record. Well, and you did 14 say and you, four for Azatar, you know, listen. you must have seen something because you did say Dumas uh, by decision to me. I did. So, right. yeah. So, I mean, and it wasn't it wasn't that it was a bad fight. It just wasn't a great fight. Again, another, Styles makes fights. And that another was another decision. It was a clash of styles. Decision. Yeah. And you thought to yourself, wow, this is going to be a really long card at this point with all of these decisions going on. Right. Yep. And we go into the the bantamweight with probably one of the greatest prospects still fighting out of like, I think he fights out of uh, Team Couture. Uh, Yavid Basharat taking on, you know, a 23 and six, a young a Victor Henry. Okay. So they give a 14 and no fighter in Basharat to a kid, you know, named Victor Henry, 23 and six with one, no contest now. Right. Because, because in round two, this is where it starts to get a little bit crazy in round two, Basharat hits Henry with one of these shots that is like starts off in the tailbone flicking the cup and everything from underneath and ends up in the lower thigh yeah, or the upper thigh, I should say. Upper thigh, right? yeah. yeah. So, and because these guys kick very, very fast, when you see it as it's coming back, you see it looks like it's only landing, maybe like a tight, uh, a, a slight little breeze against the cup and then lands on the inner thigh. But as you watch in the slow-mo replays, oh you see how this thing actually hits, right? Now, the unfortunate reality is, is the UFC was forced to use a doctor that has no business being in there doing this kind of stuff, in my opinion. They said he's inexperienced. He Dana's, Dana's confession at the end of the night in the post presser is that he shouldn't have been there. No. He was an inexperienced doctor for MMA. Yeah. Our bad will make up for it. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight where you've been kicked yeah. by a guy that can clearly break baseball bats with his kicks or if you've been kicked in the cup. 
Well, I've ruptured a testicle in the ring. Were you wearing a cup? No. Exactly. But I have been kicked in a cup. I've been I've been kicked where it broke a cup. Oh. Yeah. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Jeez. All right. We got to move on. I'm getting shivered. But hold on. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is why I'm saying this is because the doctor came in. The doctor actually had the audacity to come in and tell the fighter, told the fighter, no, no, that landed on your leg. It didn't hit you in the balls. Yeah, you're good. As he's screaming, he's literally screaming on his back. They got him out of there finally because the five minutes elapsed. He used the entire five minutes, right? Had elapsed. They got him out of there. And he went to the back for medical attention, ended up puking, crying like it hurt. Rushed I, him I, to the hospital for for x-rays and MRIs. For, yes, an MRI. Just yeah, I haven't heard MRI. anything yet. It's crazy. Yeah, right? I think he something got ruptured. So that was strike number one against this doctor in this in this card. And we continue on <laughs> and we continue on to, you know, with a with a fight that I had also picked. And under uh, the uh, the dog in this fight, Trevor Peak taking it to Muhammad Yaya. Yep. Right in a lightweight d- decision fight. Here we go again. Oh my gosh! And we've got one fight left after this to round off the preliminary card before I'm going to the main card. In an undefeated fighter in Muhammad Mokayev taking on always scrappy, always fun Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott comes out to just a ridiculous uh uh resounding amount of booze it was almost silence at one point too they had just given up on booing him because they hated him so much and mokayev comes out and during this fight mokayev hits a peak which is like this 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 peak move where you reverse like the, the the takedown on it and nails it completely flawless yeah flawless then at one point he's got tim elliott up slams him down on the back of the head flash knocks him out apparently it was a triangle that he was he was was going for the rampage jackson pride slam yes and three quarters did knock him out yeah and absolutely yeah Um, survives that but then you know in the third round makayev ends up catching him and tim elliott has to tap out Makayev keeps his record intact, right? And that's exactly what they wanted to happen for that fight anyways. Tim Elliott keeps his stock, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Tim Elliott is not going anywhere anytime soon. Then we start to get into the main card. Oh, my goodness. Now, we've been watching fights enough to know that when the whole prelims are either decisions, there's a good chance that the main card is going to be bam, 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 bam. Or if the prelims are all bam, 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 quick finishes, usually the main card is going to be decisions. That's usually how the fight game goes. So I was getting stoked because I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. It's 2 p.m., 10 p.m. in the in the Middle East, but it's it's 2 p.m. here. Let's go. Main card got to be quick. I, knowing that, I'm still stunned. So we start this thing off. Saeed Nurmagomedov, Muin Gufaraz. This fight was exactly how we thought it was going to be. Listen, you don't get to walk around 
in the world of fights with the last name Nurmagomedov without knowing what the hell you're doing in there. And this is exactly it. When you saw this, this happened so fast, so quick. Round one, a minute 13, Nurmagomedov now has like two of the fastest submission wins in UFC. I think this was the fastest. No, his other one prior to this, I think, was like 30 seconds. Oh, it was? Okay. To the fight. Yeah, this is, this is crazy. The fact that he has three losses, you know, is is crazy. So this one ends in a in a, a, a kind of a standing front choke, right? Guillotine, where Gufarov ends up tapping on the far side. Referee doesn't get it. Which happens quite a bit. Absolutely. Saeed, being the sportsman, lets him go. Immediately, Gufarov passed out. Out cold. Tapped. Let's go. Still ends up going to sleep. Sleeping. Sleeping. And Nurmagomedov, like, boom. Now, here we go. Now we're talking fights, right, ladies Let's and gentlemen? Let's go. Let's go. Main let's event, go. Main, main card has started. Let's do this. So let's bring out some middleweights next. And Ikram Alaskarov against Warley Alves. A game always, like, I think he was, like, a, a, a previous tough winner. Yeah. All the way back in like the second season, third season, something like that. It was like unbelievable. But we're talking about a guy in Ikram who a 15 and now 15 and one fighter going into this 14 and one and did not disappoint the, the ability and agility of this middleweight and how hard he hits is unreal. Puts away Warley Alves two minute mark of round number one with a vicious a, fl- a, a double knee up against the cage that sets up this knockout that is just outstanding outstanding main card came to play for keeps so then we move into a light heavyweight fight that everybody's looking forward to with Stoke. the always the Stoke. always um, um entertaining you know enigmatic johnny walker taking on the ever so rising light heavyweight murdering machine, Magomed Ankalaev. You know how crazy of a man Johnny Walker really is? Yes, I do he, now. He's out there busting a move during his entrance, and the beat hadn't even dropped yet. He, he, he gives zero Fs. Like he none. is. He's insane. It's unbelievable. And I we can really find respect. out why he's insane here at the end of this fight. So... Yeah, so Ankalayov is there's a reason that he's 18 and 1 going into this. Like he is absolutely a killer. Johnny Walker with a lot more experience though, 21 and 7. Right? Now we're talking experience in 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 like sanctioned fights. We have no idea <laughs> how many fights Ankalayev had because again, we're seeing this theme going into this, right? We're seeing this exact theme of they're setting up these the, the Russian fighters for success. Mm-hmm. This was one of those fights that you were like, oh, okay. As we get into these last three fights of the card, you're like, ah, these are tough, man. These could go either way because you've got bona fide killers. When you get to that level, when you get to that level, it can go either way, right? I thought. Then they're fighting up against the cage and 
ends up taking an illegal knee. Johnny Walker does takes an illegal knee to the chest and chin, uh, mostly chin. It was a uh, nasty hit. It was good. Yeah. It was a good, solid, solid yeah. hit. And so they stop the fight and they bring in the doctor. They start the clock because mm-hmm. he's got five minutes to recover before any of this happens. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go back, let's go back. Remember what we were talking about in the in the previous fight where they they um, they stopped the fight. It went the whole five minutes for the nut shot. And then at the end of the five minutes, he still couldn't continue. So off you go. Right. The same You're doctor that told him that he didn't get kicked. That he yeah. did not get kicked in the groin. He got yeah. kicked in the upper thigh. Yeah. So this doc- you play the doctor and I'll play Johnny Walker. So the doctor comes in. Doctor comes in. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yep. Um, do you know? Do you know where you are? Yep. The desert. Do you know what round it is? Yep. Nope. He can't fight. fight. Wait. What? No, let's fight. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. We're going. We're going, right? No. Nope, what do, what do you mean? Fight. What's the X mean? What does the waving mean? That means we're yeah. going to go? Okay, let's go. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, that what are you doing, mean... security? Get out of my face, referee. And Johnny Walker proceeds to try and fight everybody that comes into the octagon until he's seen Dana. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Mayhem could have gotten really out of control because Johnny it Walker, Johnny Walker, then he's like, yeah, I'm good to go. But it wasn't the answer that the doctor was looking for. And the fact that the doctor did not give him the full five minutes, right? Listen, you yeah. get kicked in the groin. You can still, you can still talk. You give him that five minutes, you get need in the chin. You should still be able to give them that five minutes. He was fine. And then at the, at the end of that, you know what I mean? Also, no translator came in. Johnny Walker. Um, listen, the name might fool you folks. Yeah. He's not an American with that such American name, Right. So where's the translator? Why was the five minutes not given? Right? Why why did none of these things take place? It was it literally took Dana coming into the ring, coming into the cage to defuse the situation because even Ankalayoff was like, You want to fight? We can fight. Oh, and they even were... he was starting to press. Yeah. You I had these very quick uh these quick visions of Connor. Same. And and Khabib, same where things just like get this. out of hand because we're we're talking about the same type of people. We're talking about you know fighters. We're talking about Russian fighters who are just like and w- when language is a when language is a big barrier, things can go south really quick. Yeah, well that's what really happened with the Russians and Nate Diaz. Absolutely, they could. Did, did those guys even knew English and couldn't understand Nate. Nate's like I just want to, you know you guys need my fans for it, and they're like oh, I don't. And the, and the and next thing you know, they're throwing bottles at each other. Yeah. 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 So this fight gets thrown out. Obviously, they're going to go back because this was like at the three minute mark of the first round. They'll go back and, and the, you know, this fight could very well be a main event on a fight night. I think it's going to be. I hope hopefully everybody gets paid for it because obviously, you know, it's a pay-per-view and whatnot. So and hopefully Johnny Walker left with his shoes this time. Did you see when he was taking his gear off? He handed his shoes to the his trainer, and he's like, "Yo, t-, like he pointed at them, like, do yeah. not let me leave this time without my shoes because they're gonna yeah. throw me out after my fight again." It's unbelievable, right? They don't even let him stay in the building after his fights. That's how nuts this guy is. They know, they know. So at this point, if you've been paying attention, 
I am now like nine and oh, a 13 fight card. Two of them have been voided as no contests. Okay. So they've wiped your parlay down. And there's only two fights left. So with two fights left, two fights off, 13 fights, I am nine, (laughs) oh, and two on this parlay. And I'm sitting there going, holy crap, this is crazy. Yeah. Well, here we go. Let's let's see what happens here. And then we go into the co-main event. Boris is back. Listen, this this fight went exactly how I didn't think it was going to go. Uh, <laughs> I sent you a text. I'm like, well, that's not the fight I thought I was going to see. We the find out now. Was, we find out round. now that Hamza later on, 24 hours later, has had broken his hand. Now, whether yeah. that happened during the fight, uh, before the fight, or he had a broken hand. So it explains a lot. But going into it, not knowing that. Seeing Usman lay on his back for most of the fight was something I never thought I was going to see. That was that entire first round. I like to believe that uh, Hamzat had busted his hand in that first round at some point, so. um, you know, which which that's why we saw the second round the way that it was. Mm-hmm. That's why we saw Usman getting back into this fight the way that it was. Um, and then the third round, of course, you know, listen, they finished off that fight exactly where you wanted. Like they were just doing what they could. In a five Usman round fight, that's him. a that's a different spot. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. that's a way different fight in five rounds. Usman found himself in a very weird situation now, and if you saw his after um, interview, his after the fight interview that he did, he was very somber, very you know reflective on what what is it that I've got to do. You start doubting yourself. Like I was an un, unbeaten mm-hmm. world champion. And now, you know, losing the ones that he's lost to Leon Edwards and now this one here and you start to second guess yourself. And really what this tells me is that Kamaru Usman, you know, needs to he needs to get back. He needs that rocky moment back. He needs to get that chip back onto his shoulder that he had before. The unfortunate thing is, is Father Time sometimes has different different ideas for you. Well, I think he's been he's been avoiding these knee surgeries. I think he just needs to get them done, get them out of the way, have it come back of three fights, make some money, make sure they're big money fights, and go from there. But like, get your knees fixed. He needs he needs to beat up on Colby Covington again. Oh, that would be beautiful. He needs a feel good, right? And this was a thing that you know that you really learned some things because Colby Covington, Colby Covington is probably one of the the greatest orthodox wrestlers definitely in that weight division uh, in the UFC. Now, Kamaru Usman came in on this fight on short notice. Sure. But he went up against a guy who is just completely unorthodox with his wrestling. He's funky with it. And Kamzat proved that uh, in those fights that, you know, there's a different type of wrestling than what Colby Covington does. And then what a lot of other wrestlers do, as opposed to what these, you know, Chechenian and Dagestani Russian wrestlers do. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable how good and, and their brains are just different. It is different. There's wrestling. something in the water there, or there's something in the, <clears throat> there may be something in the juice that they're taking. I think there's something in the water, something in the juice, something in the horse meat, something in the needles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that is allowing stuff them, they don't test for. Well, they yeah, because you can't because it it's been in their system since they were children. Yeah. 
Like it's unbelievable. And also they just have this natural fighting ability. I mean, think about the, the, the life of the country that they live in. Right. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Now, uh, with that, Hamzat leaves us uh, with a very nice world peace speech telling yes. everybody to get along. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, he seemed really different going into this interview. And then he dropped the bomb. I think actually why he was humbled. He has a three month old that no one yeah. knew about. Right. And he just, right. he goes, so his whole, his whole killer instinct is still there as an athlete. He is an elite athlete, but mm-hmm. I think that whole Hamza, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to take out everybody's head. That's that's gone when you have a three month old at home. You now value life a little bit differently. Well, now you have a reason. You know, you can either go one of two ways. You can either let that let that be your distraction or let that be your purpose. And I say that because some fighters have had that happen where it just becomes too much in their home life and they don't have enough time to dedicate to it. And that becomes a distraction. Not that children are a distraction, but for you as a professional fighter, that can happen. Or you can look at it the way that Donald Cerrone looked at it and it becomes his purpose. I look at my son and I realize I have to take care of him. He can't take care of himself. So he has to go out there and be that purpose. Hopefully Kamzad does the same thing. Now, speaking of purposes, did a man solidify his purpose on this planet? A one, one man named Islam in the main event here. What a finish. You couldn't have asked for a better finish. And this was a fight that, you know, everybody wanted. Again, Volkanovsky stepping in on short notice, 12 days notice, probably didn't have, you know, the entire camp. But I mean, Volkanovsky is a guy who doesn't stop training. We know this. He still looked great. He looked fantastic right up to the point to where he got kicked right upside his noodle. And it was it was a high kick that, you know, well, okay, it was a high kick for Volkanovsky. It was probably a kick to my waist. (laughs) Um, well, <laughs> that was something that I know they've seen in the first fight, too. It landed a few times in the first fight. It landed in the first round before uh, it that that one, that, that second one actually landed and took him out. But that is just something that Volka's always kind of had there. That's been a yeah. hole in his game for a long time. But he's so durable that he can eat most people's head kicks, you know, through the block or not. Yeah. This is the first one I've seen that has ever caught him and took him. It took him out. He was. Well, he out. thought he was no under it. He thought he was under it. You know what I mean? And it's those ones that just kind of get you across the top of the head. Not those ones that come in full bore to the ear. You know what I mean? Those ones hurt and they suck, but you can kind of, if you've got your blocker up, you can kind of get through them. But this one, that's those ones that just rattle right off the top of your dome. And and then, and then comes in, finishes it off with a flurry of punches up against the cage. And at three minutes, six seconds, three minutes into the, you know, uh, of the first round, Right. Very quick fight. Islam Makachev is still your lightweight champion. And this means that I went because I picked those last two as well. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for those, if it wasn't for those two, no contests, ladies and gentlemen, I feel so bad for you. I would have gone 13 and oh, the first time ever in the history of mankind. And especially my betting 
that I've gone 13 and O on this. Instead, I end up going 11 O and two no contests out of it, which threw the parlay down a little bit, but I still walked away with a couple hundred dollars off of a $1 bet. Not bad. Not Not bad at all. Ladies and gentlemen, not bad. I'll take it. I'll take it all day. Now, that being said, we've got some UFCs coming up that are a little, you know, some some house shows, so to speak. But then we've got the next pay-per-view that's coming up that's going to be headlined by one Mr. John Jones coming back to defend his belt against the the greatest heavyweight of all time, so to speak, because, you know, numbers, numbers, uh, Stipe Miocic. And listen, we will be talking about this one and, you know, for the next couple of weeks coming up, but I think we're still, we're still dealing with the hangover that was UFC 294. Um, if you have not had a chance, go back and watch it. The fights deliver. I I mean, were they good for you, Brady, as it was for me? They were delicious. And I, I can't wait to see Yuri versus Pereira. Listen, that's going to be a hell of a fight. Too. That's our Coleman coming up on the next pay-per-view. Oh my goodness. UFC is doing fantastic things. Just signed a five-year deal, a new five-year deal with the fine people over um, in Abu Dhabi there. So they're going to deliver. They're going to deliver, ladies and gentlemen, just like we have been on this show. Thank you so much to everybody who's been joining us. Let's deliver some words from our sponsors. And when we get back, we're going to invite... the words out of my mouth. We're going to invite the lovely Steve Swift from the UK here. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit of NXT... Halloween Havoc. TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. And we are back here on The Law. And right now, we are going to take a look at NXT's Halloween Havoc, the two-night extravaganza that WWE is putting on here with NXT. And to do that... Myself and Chris can't talk about it the same way this gentleman can. Introducing Across the Pond. He's from Across the Pond, and he's joining us here on The Law. You can check him out on Steve Swift's Rambling Reviews, anywhere on uh, any podcast provider, or you can check him out on S-Mini Radio every week, reviewing NXT. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Steve Swift. Good evening, Top Hell, Pip Pip, etc., etc., from across the pond in a very flooded UK at the moment. Is we it have raining? Flood it's been raining and we have flood warnings still. There, there, is, there are flood warnings in danger to life in some areas. Oh my goodness. So you're, you're risking your life to do this for us. I can't thank no, you I'm, enough. I, thank you. I, I mean, I'm wearing a life jacket at the moment, but then I generally do. I, I tend to rock that look. It's, it's purple and uh, with pink spots. A bit like Adrian, Adrian Street's favourite uh, belt collar, which is lovely. So yes, I'm 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 always looking for that kind of look, and I'm I'm wearing a deer stalker, obviously being across the pond. Oh, so you you uh you swam to high ground to do this uh, 
to do this uh, quick little rundown of the NXT Halloween Havoc. You must be excited, as, as excited as we all are. Well, the thing about, about Halloween Havoc is that it's coming right in the middle of, I presume it'll be, I'm hoping it's the middle of and not the end of, a really good run from NXT. And I've got some, um, I've got some issues around uh, other, about stars from other, main roster brands coming to NXT, but NXT can stand on its own because it's got some damn good angles at the moment. Well, and the thing is with NXT is that uh, not only did you get to see the upcoming stars, but you just said it yourself, is now they're pumping some of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling into the show. So are we going to be seeing any big names coming up on uh, either night one or night two? I, I, I expect so. I mean, you know, we've, we've had John Cena. I mean, they... They really loaded the um, the NXT versus AEW show. It wasn't overkill at all. <laughs> it wasn't not at all. I mean, we had the Undertaker on there as well. I suspect that. I mean, Cena might hang around. I, I, I and he might turn up. I don't think the Undertaker will, to be honest. Um, but I mean, we we may have seen him. We've got Becky Lynch, of course, on there. So um, yeah, I I think that NXT is a nice diversion for some people. Uh, who are on the main roster? I have to say, and it it does look like it's really it's really kicking on at the moment. So I don't think people would mind if they were taking a little diversion to it. I mean, you know, we'll 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 have Dom and, and Mammy, of course, and um, I'm I'm really looking forward to some of these matches. Some of them are are a little odd, but um, we've got the spin the wheel, make the deal situation i mean because the thing about about that is that it went so well with them um, with jake the snake <laughs> so so many years ago so, so, so they're bringing it out again because it's a guaranteed winner um and we've got blair davenport versus um gg doling we've got the lights out match now i don't know whether or not that the, they've not paid the bill or whether uh, i don't know what the deal is with this it's but earth I day it, it must be earth day or something we just turned it off for an hour we all do right could be it could be that. It could be. Maybe it's the maybe it's the kind of um, sack over the head match that uh, that the model. Yes, I am a model. Rick Martel and and uh, and and Jake the Snake had. That'd as be long great, as actually. As long as it's not the one that Chris Harris and James Storm had in TNA, where I think we'll all be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. But I'm. I mean, I'm interested to see it. Um, and and I suppose I'm not sold on Blair Davenport to be honest. Um. Gigi Dolan's okay, but they, I mean, this might this might be something a bit special. At least they've at least they've added some kind of stip to that. And we've also got a Devil's Playground match, which is um, which is Roxanne Perez, who has now got a different attitude. She's I mean, she's quite a tough and feisty one now. Versus Kiana James, um, because she's got that that brick in her bag. As I sung on the last NXT roundup, all you need is just another brick in the bag, <laughs> which. I mean, which Roger Waters didn't write, but I, I suspect if he'd seen NXT, he might have done. So um, that's going to be interesting. I don't know what the Devil's Playground match is. I suspect it might be, as I said, on the NXT roundup, it could be a, a slide with with some spikes on it or barbed wire at the bottom. It, it could be a roundabout with um, with a moat around it and piranhas. I don't know, but um, I'm kind of looking forward to that because Roxanne's got a feisty attitude. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I think it'll be a knockdown drag out affair, and and um, it'll be a good one. I hope it's similar to the to the Tiffany and and Becky Lynch um, match that they had recently, because that was that was a real a real banger. 
Now, what are you looking forward to the most outside of the what you just brought up? Like, what do you think is going to be the match of, of night one and night two? Just the match of the weekend. I think it's probably going to be Becky Lynch and, and Laura Valkyrie on the first the first night. Okay. Um, because they've, I mean, they brought this on really well. And, and they've done quite a lot of Lyra saying, I really respect you. And, and I, you know, and, and, and you've really inspired me, but I'm going to take your belt. So they've done that kind of wrestling trope really well. And and Becky's uh, come back with all of the, you know, you're, you're great, but you're not great enough for this for this belt. You're just not great enough. That kind of, you know, I taught you everything that you know, but I didn't teach you everything that I know. You know, that kind of thing, like where the crisps are, are kept and things like that, okay. which is something I'd like to know. Um, so that, so on, on the first night of that, and on the second night, of course, the rematch with Ilya Dragunov versus versus Mello. I mean, Ilya Dragunov, there's no way they can take that belt off him. Surely he looks fantastic with it. And he has such a suave, killer attitude that it, it's hopefully he'll be champion for, for many, many weeks, months, and hopefully a couple of years. Because, he, he, I mean, it's he's he's going to take it to somewhere else, which is great. And and we really can't have Mello winning that because they've got all the, the, the Trick Williams stuff. Who's in the hospital, of course. I mean, we don't know who hit him. My money's on Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, but I'm not quite <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't Lombardi's know. still hiding around there somewhere. Does he still have a job there? He can't get out. He can't, <laughs> he can't find the exit. That, that's what it is. So it might be him. It could be him. But, um, that, I mean, I'm looking forward to that on the second night. Um, it doesn't... I mean, the, the thing about um, No Mercy was that when I looked at the card, I thought, it's okay. And I look at this and I think, it's okay, because we've got the... Uh, we, I mean, this is a really interesting one, which is the, the tag team championship match, which is the family, of course, La Famiglia. Um, you know, of course, they'll be eating spaghetti probably before they get there. <laughs> All of that um, versus Chase U. I'm really surprised about that. I mean, I mean, I mean, they've got um, Thea Hale and JC Jane, of course, with them, it seems. Uh, and that's the big storyline there. But I'm surprised that they put them in in this match. But it might just be that they are just ciphers to do the to advance the Thea Hale and JC Jane story, because um, it's more of a soap opera than anything. That it's kind of a you know kids, <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> it's that sort of thing, isn't it? So I mean that that will be an interesting match, I think. The um, the women's breakout tournament, I, I'm not massively. I, I, it's not it's not grabbed me to be honest, and I mean. You've got Kalani Jordan versus Ariana Grace. Uh, you've got Carmen Petrovic versus Lola Weiss. Um, I think this tournament is Jordan's to win, isn't it? Or Jordan's to lose, I suppose, because they spent so long saying, well, really, you know, she's she's only new and really we can't. And, of course, Dana Brooke was her mentor and we saw what happened there. So I, I suspect that, that, that Jordan will beat Grace and... Uh, I'm, Vice will be Petrovic, I guess. I'm I'm not massively, I'm not as excited about that as I am about Mister Stone versus Bron Breaker. Uh, um, yeah, I I I uh, sucks to be Mister Stone. To be honest, I I, I mean I I suspect he'll be left bleeding, won't he? Unless they're unless they're really down on 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 Breaker as they have been, I believe, recently, and. Stone gets a win, or Von Wagner, who's been 
who's been pulling his resistance bands to try and get fit, and he's got a bandage around his head, um, makes a remarkable recovery and hits the ring and beats Breaker up, which I suspect he will. Um, but having Mr. Stone in there, it's it's going to be interesting. It really is a David versus Goliath story. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it, I don't know if you're as excited as as our friend Steve is, uh, but this is why you need to check out Steve's rambling reviews on SME Radio or basically anything. Like Steve, uh, before we we let you off the hook here, and we all get uh, we all get ourselves excited and get our popcorn and get our, our snacks ready for uh, this weekend. Where can people find you? Oh, they can find me on on all of those um, those podcasting networks and 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 also streaming areas like like Spotify and and um, and the rest Apple and uh, Google and all of them. You just put my name in. Basically, you put my name into into any of your search engines, and something will pop up. Now, I I, I can't really guarantee what that will be and you really need to be careful however you know put some filters on first and then you might get to the to the podcast that you want but you can you can find me in all of those I'm, i post on instagram and all of that so yes do do come and listen i do quite a lot of podcasts every day because um you know it, it's it's i think it, it's part of my community service so you know when when when, when i you know, when, when they told me I get a, I get a reduced sentence, it was a podcast that, that that they did. Not really, of course, but yeah, you can find me everywhere because I tend to to tell everybody about it. Well, thank you for getting in the arc and finding the highest grounds that you could to uh, be a part of the law this week. We can't thank you enough. On behalf thank of you. myself and Tid and the listeners, uh, Steve, you are a gentleman's gentleman. Uh, thank you, and we'll get you back on the show soon, uh, not only to talk about NXT, but just talking about life in general. Thank you so much. Lovely to see you. And I'm going to now make a cup of tea with two sugars and some nice China tea service. Hey there, friends, listeners, and newcomers. This is Eric B., and I am the host of the Impactful Podcast. On the Impactful Podcast, we're going to break down everything Impact Wrestling each week. That includes everything that goes on in the background, everything that happens on TV, and everything that you're hearing on the news and social media. So please join me each week and live life impactfully. The Law Live Audio Wrestling. Thank you, Steve, for that preview. Wow. What a lovely chat. He's, he's a beautiful human being, is he not? He, he is the nicest human being I've ever met. Really, I'm not even saying that. He is the nicest human being I've ever met. Too lovely for us. I think you're saying that because I think it's the accent. Oh, and she just sent me a PayPal too. I mean, I didn't mean to say that on the show. Uh, no, no, Steve. Steve's a lovely gentleman. Um, like, like I said, if you want to check out Steve's reviews, you can search him on any podcast platform or go over to SME Radio and uh, check out Steve's NXT reviews.
So heading out of the NXT Halloween Havoc review, we're, mm-hmm. we're into some spooky Halloween territory. Speaking of spooky Halloween-ish vibes, the interview this week, the kick in the head with Tid. Uh, you want to give us a quick preview of what's going on there? Yeah, so I got a chance to sit down with a longtime friend, um, longtime uh, in-ring enemy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. As well. You and me uh, both. And and current, current impact. Sorry. TNA. TNA. Yes. Uh, look at him. He didn't even have to change his locker, and he's working for two different companies. Um, Not a boy. Superstar. One Mr. Crazy Steve, and we talk about uh, all kinds of all kinds of very candid, very candid talk about all kinds of stuff that from the from the very beginning, you know, um, and he answers these questions with such like he he, he takes the time to sit down and think before well, answering the questions. You he's know so I mean? honest, too. He's an open book with so, everything. Yeah. 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 Uh, so this will be the first of many, many talks that you will hear me have over the you know course of the next couple of years uh, with Crazy Steve. Um, and this is just this is just the first one for this show. All right. Well, let's take a listen to that. And we will be back shortly after Tid's kicking the head. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Law Live Audio Wrestling, and joining me now, joining me now is a man that I've known for many, many years. I've known him since he pretty much broke into this entire business of professional wrestling. Uh, He is probably one of the greatest stories of professional wrestling, especially of today. Might even be of all time. Who knows? Uh, Right now, joining me, Impact Wrestling superstar, overall good guy, uh, and really, really horrible driver, Mr. Crazy Steve, Mr. Steven Scott, Mr. Crazy, Mr. Steve, Mr. Scott, what are we going with today? How are we? How are we doing? I am how you devils dress me after all, so <laughs> it's whatever you like. So I'm going to ask you right out the gate. I mean, you and I have yep. known each other and we've had many, many conversations and this one might be a little bit different, uh, hopefully. Um why crazy steve why not crazy scott why not crazy frank why steve yeah um well so so the name was given to me i didn't pick the name it was it was given to me by sin Bodie, who we both know um he saw me in class one day at uh, eric young's wrestleplex in cambridge and he said uh and the way that i would wrestle in in training is the way that I would wrestle in front of a uh, sold out house. I, I always kind of just had these weird mannerisms with my body and I would use my voice to project because I'm tiny. And uh, so using my voice to project and yell and scream as I throw a clothesline or with a headlock takeover or anything like that, it just helps articulate the move, especially with somebody being a small size, right? And I noticed that from someone like uh, uh, Chris Benoit or, or Albert. Actually, those two were wrestling on SmackDown. I remember it. And both of them, as they're charging at each other with clotheslines and back elbows and this, that, they're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. And it was like a, a car wreck. I, so I just took from that. And I always used it in class. So 
fast forward, Sin Bodhi comes and he's seeing me wrestle. And I don't know a lot. I've maybe been in training for maybe three, four months, maybe at that point. And he pulled EY aside and he said, I like that kid. That kid's crazy. He's, he's, you should call him Crazy Steve. So I, I was told this after class and I was like, oh, that's awesome that Sin likes me. But I never liked the name Crazy Steve. I, I always just, to me, it, it reminded me of like the frat guy who gets naked at parties and like runs around. Oh, there goes Crazy Steve again, right? It doesn't, it didn't sound like a wrestling name to me. Right. And it, it just, it didn't. I, and like, I'm, I grew up with like The Undertaker and Raven, Sting and Kane, Mankind, like these one word, like cool names. So that's what I had in my head. Um, but it just didn't fit for a guy who had, you know, who was 130 pounds, had no build and didn't look like anything intimidating. I looked like a crazy person. Um, and so it wasn't till the first match I ever had. Uh, you might have even been on the card. It was for Neo. Uh, I know the main event was EY and JT Player in a lumberjack match. And I tagged with Sin Bodhi against um, Hacker, the original Hacker, and Jet Jace Fury. And I didn't like. I didn't even know I was wrestling until that day. I was told, and, and I was like, oh, what am I going to be called? And I talked to Sin, and he's like, hey, man, you can be called whatever you want. It's, it's your name. And you can change it whenever you want, too. I think Crazy Steve has legs. If you want to use it, feel free to use that. I think it could be cool. So that's what I was called that night. And I was on the apron, and I'm waiting for the tag, and I'm jumping up and down, and I'm working the apron as you do. And I got all this energy, and the people start going, Crazy Steve, Crazy Steve, Crazy. And I was like, oh, okay, there it is. I get it. Yeah, it's sense. always it's always been one of those things that, like, if you look at some of the some of the best names out there, you know, the most memorable names for sure are the ones that are done in like that three syllable, you know what I mean? Chant, right. That blah, 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 blah. It works out so much better than, than some of the other ones. Right. I think it was, I think it was actually Raven that told me that years and years and years ago, like it was like, if you have something that is like, you know, something with that three syllable, like that three spot, right. Name, then you're doing something right. Right. So I get that. Yeah. Now, yeah. And now, it, it was just, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Uh, you go ahead. I was going to say, it was just like, it was that light bulb moment. It was like, this is how I connect with that audience. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. And so like, even now to today, to what I'm doing currently in impact, it's, I don't necessarily think the name crazy Steve fits all of the things that we're doing, but it just, I've had it for 21 years now going on 22 years. So like, it just is, it's just kind of one of those things like, I'll use the, the band Corn for example. If you don't know who that band is and you've never heard them before, and then someone says, hey, you want to listen to Corn?" Your first thought is like, what? Like, that's the worst name ever. <laughs> and then whether you like the music or not, you would understand, okay, like when you hear that, like when you hear someone talk about Corn, you don't think of Corn, you think of the band. And you can right. hear them play again. You know what I mean? They've cultivated a sound that they've owned that name. That name yeah. belongs to them at this point. So that's kind yeah, of like yeah. the examples of music. Yes. There was, there was a, there was well, a band, Billy talent. I'll use this yes. as a story, right? Uh, Canadian band. I, I, I knew the guys way, way back. I ran their security for them uh, when they were still kids. And I can remember one time I'm sitting here. Um, it was when their first hit first came out right on, on uh, much music 
Canada's MTV or whatever. And I'm watching and I'm watching the TV and I'm like, Hey, that's, that's the kids from Pez. Cause that's what they used to be called. Right. It was like, I, I know this sound. I know that's these kids from Pez. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, the new hit from blah, 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 Billy talent. And I'm like, wait a second. So they'll, they'll always still be Pez. You know what I mean? Sure. To, to, sure. to me, but, but yes, you can, you can always change the name, but if it's there right out the gate, why not? Right. So let's talk yeah. about right out the gate for a second. And, and you sure. mentioned this yourself. You're 130 pounds, probably less when you started training, right? Yeah, we've, yeah. We've, seen, we've seen the pictures. You're built like yeah. a fucking wind chime, right? And, and, <laughs> but, but, you, but you watch wrestling and you see all of these like gigantic dudes, Undertaker and, and, and you know, Warlord and, and the Ultimate Warrior and all of these like massive, massive dudes. What in your mind said to you, I can do that? Ignorance. Okay. <laughs> maybe, you know, like maybe that's what it was. Cause you're, you're right. And I couldn't tell you, like, it's not like I didn't watch your Ray Mysterio's or your Bret Hart's or your Chris Jericho's and stuff like that. But I grew up on your Andre the Giants, your Hulk Hogan's, your ultimate warriors. So as a kid, I don't know any better. It's, it was, but that's what I wanted to do. And then as I grew older, it's not that passion didn't fade. If anything, it just grew stronger. And then, like I said, like the talent grew smaller to to a degree you weren't relying on your your hulk hogan's or your andre the giants at this point now you're relying on your ray mysterios your chris jericho's your eddie guerrero's and then even then like like i said i walk into the wrestling gym at 130 pounds like i'm still so tiny but it's it gave me enough gave me enough hope to be like yeah you know what i can still i can still do this you know so and let's on talk some sort of level too yeah Go ahead. Let, let's talk about the alumni that came out of WrestlePlex. Like the amount of talent that that Eric Young, right? The the trainer who, I mean, he came from same place I came from, that Hart Brothers School of of Wrestling. You know what I mean? Um, dudes that came out of there, fantastic. Dudes that I've trained, awesome. But Eric Young has he had this group, and it wasn't like it wasn't like WrestlePlex. WrestlePlex was this long-standing school that lasted for years and years and years, right? This was a place that kind of just came along overnight, got this group of dudes, you know, of which, I mean, we're talking about Sean Spears. You're talking mm -hmm. about yourself, you know, um, you're Eric Young, of course, right? Yeah. Some of these guys. And then, you know, you had some like the Mad Bomber, who has, yep. you know, written a couple of books about the business. You've got TJ Harley, you know, who doesn't believe in gravity or birds anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course. We're talking and, just I mean, this, you've got you've, this, Jake O'Reilly, Cody Beaner's yeah. gone through there. Like, like all these guys that, it, and, and to your credit, like in such a short window of time of existence, the amount of success that kind of came through there is pretty crazy. It's unbelievable, right? So, yeah. What, what was your, what was your first impression with this group of guys when you, when you first seen them and, and was like, Oh, these, these guys are going to be my brothers for life, whether I like it or yeah. not. Yeah. 
first so okay i will say the first impression like honest impression would be when like i walked into those gym doors for the first day which i say is gym doors it wasn't it was the worst place where you could put a wrestling school is right underneath the recording studio yep <laughs> but that's where we were yeah and uh, and the ring was a low boy right so it's cut all the way to the ground which for me at 18 years old that was unbeknown. i'd never seen that before right so and not only that but i'm like I'm, I've never been that close to a wrestling ring before either. Yeah. That was the other thing. So it was a lot to take in. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot to take in and you just, you couldn't judge a book by its cover. Cause it was just so much. Who is, you know who what is, I mean? Like who was smaller, who was smaller in that class yourself or my co-host Brady Wedham? Brady. He was, I was lucky <laughs> that, I was a little bit bigger than him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it worked out because then I can, like, I was able to do stuff with him that I can't do with other guys because they're too big. Right. And so I was able to do both. I was able to, to not only like do all the high flying stuff, but I was also able to base. So it worked out. It was really, really awesome <laughs> that <laughs> like that it worked out that way. We, we worked quite a bit in those early, early days. And then, and then you, you, you get out of there and you start working, you start working shows. Do you remember your first match? Yes. Yeah. That was the one I had spoke about with crazy Steve. I remember very well in St. Catharines in the curling arena. Um, but prior to that, I'd been to a, a bunch of, in Neo shows to help set up the ring and, mm -hmm. and to be around the boys and, and to, to, you know, gain a trust and, and to gain experience and knowledge. Right. So definitely not my first independent show, but uh, yeah. And, it's, weird. And it's weird when you think about it because most guys, hello, puppers. Most guys, you know, get thrown in like that first match is like, oh, toss them in a battle royal. You know what I mean? Where you don't have to do a hell of a lot. Like it's just like, yeah. get some, get some comfortableness, you know, with being in the ring, being in front of people, but you can hide inside of a battle royal. So I understand like most, most promoters and stuff like that will want to do go that route for yourself. You're thrown right into a match where number one, you've got to perform number two, you've got to uh, do actual moves. It's not just kick punch in a corner, dump somebody on the outside. Like you've actually got to remember, remember your stuff, remember your spots. Do you, do you remember if you hit everything the way you were supposed I to? I couldn't remember where I put my gear bag. Okay. <laughs> when they told me that, Hey, you're wrestling today. Did you bring your gear bag? I, of course I brought my gear bag. Okay. Well, you're wrestling. Oh shit. Uh, okay. Now again, we're in a curling arena. There's two locker rooms, a home and away, and they're on the same aisle. Right. And I could not. Yeah. And I just paced up and down because I couldn't find it for like the longest time. Um, so and then we then we go through the match and we were semi main nonetheless. So that's another like, oh, shit moment. Um, so in a blessing, it's a, it's a, it was a blessing in disguise because it gave me more time to kind of figure out and remember and kind of get my, you know, get my nerves together and you know, all that stuff. And then we get through the match and it was fine. Like it went, it went just fine. It went exactly as, as we had planned and, and as we wanted it to go. And I can remember a couple days later, Hacker called me out of the blue. I didn't, I didn't have much conversations with Hacker up to this point, but he called me out of the blue 
And he said, hey, I just want to let you know, like, for your first match, there was a lot put on you. And he said, like, that, like, in comparison to my first match, it was, it pales in comparison. Because, like, it, there was so much put on you and you did so well. And I just want to thank you. And, you know, he just gave me, like, a, a phone call to boost me up and gave me confidence. And it was awesome. Um, and so those were, those are my takeaways from that. Also, you, I shit myself in that match too. Did you? For the yeah. first time. How many times? Yes. How many times? How many times Only did once. you shit yourself? Only just one that time first time. My first match. Yes, I got it out of the way right away. <laughs> so I don't, I don't trust anybody who hasn't done it yet. I don't that trust the, you. You haven't been working long enough. Well, yeah, right. It was the, was yep. the lesson, was the lesson in this one uh, to not eat before you wrestle. <laughs> no, you know what it was. It was, and it still is like this to to this day. It's it was just nerves. Right, my nerves were so shot that your body itself, your, your like your system, just speeds up. Yep. So I was, as we all know, as wrestlers or anybody performers, like you, you crap like twenty times a day, and you try yep. not to eat as a, a bunch, but at the same time, you don't want to be dehydrated and you don't want to be going out there on an empty stomach with no energy, especially yep. based on what we have to do. So, you know, it's, yeah, you just can't win there. You can't win. There's no, <laughs> there's no winning. I'm just happy. I got it out of the way when I did. It hasn't happened since. Thank God. Uh, but you know, it really it did, is. It, it really is something that you, you learn early enough in your career. I, it happened to me. It happened to me. I think, I think it was like, I took a, the first time it happened, I took like some fucking body slam from Magnus uh, Magnus von Steel, my old tag partner, who was you know you remember this this like yeah. you know Johnny Bravo looking six foot twenty six inch arm like yeah. meathead of a dude right. His and name is Magnus von Steel. Okay, <laughs> it's not because he was like five foot four and one hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, right, right. right? We, did, we didn't yeah. call him didn't call him Big Lou because he was three feet tall. You know, <laughs> this is not a name of irony, folks. Oh. And he gave me a body slam and literally it was like, Oh, Oh, uh Oh, Oh boy. There it is. <laughs> now, yeah. this is also the reason that I believe that uh, we're told at a very early age in our careers to make sure that you wear compression shorts. <laughs> right, right. 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 Because last thing you want is to be wearing boxers or free hanging whitey, you know, tidy whiteys or anything yep. like that, where something could slip out the bottom and you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Outside of out, okay, so outside of shitting yourself in a ring, uh yes. have have you have you had one of those moments yet where like you've you've been like, oh this this is this is not gonna go good. Cause we've all seen like we've we've talked about people shitting in the ring, you know, or, or in their mm -hmm. in their match. Have you puked yet during a match? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Never. Nope, not not no. The only thing, like the only things I can think of, and like we've all kind of gone through that as well as wrestlers, is like where either you haven't had time to warm up, yeah, because something's got pushed, and hey, we need you to go on now, and you're like, are you what now? Oh, geez, and you haven't stretched, and you're going out there kind of cold, um, and you maybe you don't have it all the way together, like those. Those moments, that's usually when you're like, oh, okay, I hope I, you know, I just hope no one gets hurt. Let's get through this and stuff like that, you know? And those, you know, that's part of wrestling. That's you just kind of that happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, listen, uh, if I were to tell you that even after, you know, 26 years of, of wrestling, if I were to say that there's that always that 
thing right before your music hits and you're sitting there going, oh, I got to piss. Oh, that's every time. Yeah, <laughs> every, that's every time. Every single it's time. Every, yes. And that like every time. And I know where I'm at on the card most nights. So it's like I time it out and it does not matter. I know when to be in gorilla position to be ready to go. And it's like, oh, I have to pee. But as soon as you go through the curtain, it goes away. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you go through the curtain, it goes away. Um, I will tell you one time where there, when would this have been? Maybe 2015. We were, uh, it was for Impact and I had to do an Ultimate X match. For those of you who don't know what an Ultimate X match, they have towers kind of surrounding the ring posts. And then there's a cable, which makes an X over top of these towers. They hang the belt in the middle and the wrestlers are to jump up and grab the cable and then kind of walk their way with their arms and legs towards the belt to pull it down to the middle of the ring. Google it, Ultimate X. Anyway, I digress. We had this pay-per-view where each person who was uh, being entered into this main event Ultimate X match had to compete in a triple threat beforehand. So I was one of the people who was going on to the main event. And it was one of these things where like you could never put the match together because one guy was either already in the ring who's who's doing his match and then there's two or three other dudes who were going through their triple threats to go right after. And then I think right before the Ultimate X, there was like, a, a, uh, I think the girls had a match and they may have had like eight minutes, eight, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, maybe eight to 10. And that was the only time that all of us could get together to put together um, a match as dangerous as Ultimate X is. And I can remember going through the curtain that at that moment with nerves, but not the same type of nerves that we have where like, I have to pee before I have to wrestle or oh, I didn't stretch. It's like nerves of like, Oh, I hope this, I hope no one gets hurt. Cause it was, it's just so it was scary and no one did get hurt. It did go off very well, but I'm being in that position. I can remember like, a different kind of scared, if that makes sense. Different kind of nerves. One hundred percent, because you have that scared. Uh, uh, you have that scared where you're thinking about the match, and you're like, "Oh shit! I know what's expected inside of this match, and that can be okay. Uh, we've got to we've got to pull out all the stops. We've got to go out there, and we've got to do something." ridiculous and silly. So there's those types of nerves, but then there's mm -hmm. also the types of nerves where you, you, you get to the show and you're like, okay, they got me in this kind of match. Cool. No problem. And you look out there and you find out that the, the, the ring has like three broken boards. They've, they've right. put up a, they put up a cage that's being held together with zip ties. They, yeah. they, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, so then there's the equipment, yeah. the equipment end of things that makes you have so, those kind of nerves. Right. <laughs> that brings me to that is like, I, we haven't brought it up, but I'm, I'm blind. What? And so, for, yeah, I know. Surprise, surprise. Um, and so to look up, to grab these cables, I right. can't see them. It's just right. lights. So I have that on top of all everything that you've just said. In my case specifically, it's like, you know, like I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to physically do this because I can't see the damn cables, man. <laughs> has there and ever so been? A, has there ever been a moment? Has there ever been a moment where that's like actually been? Because obviously you've been able to get through every single one of these moments, but there has there ever been something where it's been like. Uh, outside of like ultimate X, you know what I mean? With cables yeah. hanging right directly underneath lights or whatever like that. Like, has there been one of these moments? Like, have you ever had to show up to a show and been like, you dummies taped your ring ropes white 
Um, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Um, like, there's, it's different for every scenario. So like I worked for House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore, and everything is black. And he, he wrestles inside the 2300 arena, ECW arena, and it's all painted black. And he get, he thinks it's hilarious. Um, so, <laughs> and then there's been times where like, you know what really messes me up? It's certain lighting rigs where they only have spotlights over the four corners of the ring posts. That really messes me up because when I'm, as you know, when you're in the ring and you're corner to corner with somebody, I can't see them at all. It's just that blinding light. So they're backlit. So it's really, really difficult for me. And I can remember being in a ring in that scenario where I was wrestling John Morrison and he had me on the mat and he was on the top rope and he was going for one of his many flippity doos and I was to move out of the way. Well, when he got up to the top rope, I lost him. I could not see him. He was backlit and I couldn't see when he was going to jump or when he was getting ready to jump or anything like that. So part of me is like, I don't want to roll in too soon. Cause then he looks like a dink. I don't want to roll in too late. Cause then one of us gets hurt or maybe we both get hurt. It was, it was a scary moment. Um, and what got me through it was oddly enough, his, his bedazzled gear, his jeans, they had these little sparkles coming off. Like the light was reflecting off the diamonds and all the little sparkles on his gear. And I can just vaguely remember seeing these little twinkles. And as soon as they disappeared, I knew he was in the air. I was able to roll through and we were fine. But that split second of panic going across my face of, of, you know, going through my head was, was real. It was very real. Is, is that the biggest fear of yours? Like being in there and not being able to get out of the way of something, or is there something bigger? You know what I mean? Inside of wrestling. What is your fear? Uh, I just, I don't, I don't, uh, I think at this stage, it's not getting hurt and not hurting someone. So I don't want to be put in a position where I can't see or my eyesight comes into play and then to the point where, again, where either I'm getting hurt or someone's getting hurt. That's probably my biggest fear at this point. If I screw up a spot and people see it, I don't care. It'll live and die in that moment or for the next five minutes on Twitter. Like, it really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? At this point, and I think, at, you know, with the work that I've put in and the work that I continue to put in, I think people have a pretty good understanding of what my body of work looks like and something like that isn't really going to affect it to some sort of, you know, do you think that people, do you think people give you extra leeway because, because they, they know that you're blind? Um, I don't know. I don't think my coworkers do. And that's what is most important to me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where to my knowledge, someone has like complained that they've had to work me because of eyesight. We've definitely had to change things where people have come up with ideas and I'm like, dude, I won't see that. And right. it's it, like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, man, seriously. And it's like, either I'll make it look bad or we'll get hurt. And I just want to avoid both of those scenarios. So let's just change it. And that's part of pro wrestling. Like, I, in anything that I do, I'm never married to, I have to do this right. or I gotta get this spot. I've never been married to that. It's, that's not how I perform. That's not how I choose to put together a match. Like, I'm very much, let's, what about this? Or what if we do this? And then we, you know, and, and like that, but I've never been the person who's like, I have to do this unless it's asked of me specifically by my boss, right. you know, otherwise let's have fun. We can do whatever. Cause I think and sometimes I can, that's how, you know, 
I can remember, I can remember for myself, like I'm very much the same way. There's not a lot of times you, and you know, this as well as I do, you get there, you're like, okay, this is who I'm working. And then when you get there, you start to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? Where are we at on the card? What are we going to do that's appropriate for it? You know what I mean? And figure out your match with who you're working with. Typically the day of, you know what I mean? You're getting ready to go out there. I can remember you and I, we were, we were both working for Neo and we were, we were stuck in a program together for holy shit had to be over a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Where you and I are mm-hmm. doing all these matches and, and you came to me, you came to me after one of them, you're like, what are we going to do on this next one? I said, I got an idea. This is going to be fun. And we literally, I don't know if you remember this or not. We literally, I came to you and I said, we're going to do an exact match. We're going to do a, you know, we're going to take this match. We're going to do exactly what they did and see if anybody picks up on it whatsoever. (laughs) And you and I went out there, right? See if they noticed. And we went out there and we did the exact match that, that Rhino and uh, Spike Dudley did. Oh, that's yes. I do remember this now because I'm that finish. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and we did this exact thing and it's, it's been the only time that I've ever like, we've all taken things. Oh, you know, you see it's a certain match and you, you, you pull out a spot for a certain, you know what I mean? And you yep. add it to yours, but that has literally been the only time. And it was with you that I've reenacted an entire match, which is, which was fun. It was funny, but it would also taught me that I don't want to have to remember an entire fucking match. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This thing. Right. Yeah, it is a fun experiment because you do get to see like, oh, they they pop on this because of like, it just, it's definitely a fun experiment to do. But yeah, not something that I'm interested in doing all of the time. Right? So so ridiculous. Some of the things that we do when we're younger in in, in our careers. Have you ever... What has been what has been for you though? Because I know what it has been for me. What has it been for you? Where it's been that that moment where you've gone to a show, promoter has said to you, "Hey, I've got this idea <laughs> that I want you to do," and you've literally had to say to them, "You you want me to what?" Like for example, I'm going to use you again as an example because you and I you and I have worked together an awful lot when you were, when you were breaking in and before you decided to, you know, move on to much better things. There was a spot where I get to a show and the promoter says, Hey, we've got an ambulance here and we're going to do this spot. Where crazy. Steve is going to be sitting out outside talking to the fans before his show, you know, cause, cause that's a normal thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. We want you to go give crazy Steve a pile driver in the parking lot. And Mm -hmm. why is it, why is it that promoters have these ideas and they've never actually done any of these things themselves? All right. That specific example, I hear, I got to say for the record, that specific example can't be blamed on the promoter. And the reason is, is it was my idea. You motherfucker. Because I was helping, <laughs> I was helping book those shows with Jay Moore at the time. And we'd go over to his place. We'd have some rum and Cokes. We'd book the show and we'd just think of like crazy ideas. And, like, and I said, do you think 
you can get a hold of like the, the local, you know, ambulance around here and see if they would have some volunteers do that because sometimes that happens. And that's exactly what happened. Like we didn't have to pay for that or anything. They, they were all volunteers. It was an exercise for them to come and like actually do what they would do in that scenario and then take me off and all that. And like, it worked out so well and it was definitely out of control and crazy, but like it worked. Cause and I did not come back. If you remember, because you were in the main with, oh, uh, I think O'Reilly and Danger Boy and a few other or someone else. There was my yeah. four way, and I was told that you know that they were chanting my name the like that entire main event because they wanted me to come back, and I did not until like a few shows later, where yeah. I where I chased you out of the ring with a flaming barbed wire baseball bat again. <laughs> I'm legally blind. <laughs> I should not be running through an audience with a flaming baseball fire. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I know. Uh, to, to answer your question, there has been an instance, and it was, it was actually an impact where they wanted – it was the, the match where we won the tag titles, and they wanted to call it a, the, some sort of like – it was basically a monster's ball match, but they wanted to make have a decay spin on it. And so their uh, grand idea – was and again a monster's ball we're dealing with barbed wire and thumbtacks and tables and a lot of a lot of uh weapons and a lot of you know instances where you can get hurt and so they wanted to do this thing where they flicker the lights on and off throughout the entire match and have some sort of like shadowy effect and i had to say to billy corgan and those guys like guys no we're not doing that we can't i will kill someone or i will there's barbed wire in the ring man and you're gonna mess with the lights please can we do something else and they were like oh yeah that's a good point okay yeah let's not kill steve all right hey hey let's change this and so there's there's been a couple instances like that where where i've had to like hey let's what about what about not this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to re remind people. Because, I mean, in, in their defense, you know what I mean? It's not every day you're working at a company you're it, where where you're – it's a visual medium company. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're out there acting, you're out there performing, and then you have to remember, oh, wait, one of the fucking guys that we're working with here is blind. It's right. not – I mean, <laughs> is there any other blind – do you know of any other blind wrestlers out there? Um, there's, um, there's a referee currently who has ref for impact recently, actually. Um, and he is blind too. He's got, he, he might even have worse eyesight than I do in all honesty. Um, and then I'm definitely not the first legally blind wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. Stan Hansen, uh, there's a few, uh, Stan Hansen is always the first one that comes to my sure. mind, but I know there's, there's been others. Um, I think I could be the like this generation's legally blind professional wrestler. I don't know of anybody else who's at least doing it on the level that I'm doing it. Who's also legally blind. That being said, I have gotten a lot of like um, messages through social media of, of people with eyesight issues who are like, Hey, I'm going to try wrestling. I'm going to give it a try based on your story. And, or, you know, it doesn't have to just be that. If, there's been a lot of, you know, people who have seen my story either through various mediums, um, and have messaged me and said, Hey, like you're, you're a real inspiration for this. And I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to try my hand at pro wrestling and stuff like that too. So uh, that's really cool. It's really, really neat to read and very humbling all in the same go. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely not the first. And from the looks of things, I won't be the last.
let's so let's talk about silly stuff because you were part of a thing that impacted called wrestle house yeah yeah and they put you in a match they put you in a blindfold (laughs) match was was there really any purpose to putting a blindfold on you uh besides you know the humor that was shared throughout the the crew the cast and crew i don't know Uh, i do remember getting that and reading that and like what are we doing what (laughs) uh man i forgot that that were you were you part were you part of that um that thing that they did in Toronto, that art show thing. I know that I was there. Danger Boy was there. Jake O'Reilly was there when we did a a a battle royal, a three hour long battle royal inside of a cage, blindfolded. I was not a part of that. I know of it, and I'm so sad that I wasn't because I know it was a good payday too for an independent guy at the time. But it just sounded so strange. I totally wanted to to take part in it. I could, I don't know. Either I couldn't get booked or there was something else on the go. Both, both of those examples could very well be true, but I know I wasn't a part of it. And I can remember being excited to talk to Jake O'Reilly and say, dude, what you got to tell me how ridiculous was this? It was the most ridiculous thing in the world, dude. At one ah. point, at one point, the, the, the guy who was putting on the whole thing also wanted to be a wrestler. I don't think he ever trained. He was just using this as like, Hey, like most, most people do, you know what I mean? To either become promoters or get themselves into a ring somehow. That's what he did. And at one point, cause he was just taking blind shots at people. And I remember at one point myself and Jake O'Reilly literally like pulling up our blindfolds so we could find where this guy was and just taking straight runs at him with our <laughs> fists straight out in the air. Like just who the hell do you think this you are? Right. What it, it was so ridiculous. It was such a ridiculous match. Have you, what's been the most ridiculous match that you've had to be a part of? Oh, you brought up a good one with the blindfold one. I forgot about that until now, honestly. Uh, most ridiculous that that one's got to be up there just for the, the sheer hilarity of it right on its the, absur- own. the absurdity of the fact that there were yeah. putting a blindfold on a blind guy yeah yeah um and and it's with johnny swinger too like you gotta <laughs> shout out johnny swinger because he's such a beauty um so oh man you really put me on the spot there's been some wacky battle royals for sure um especially around the halloween time era like you know i just did a battle royal where i eliminated like super mario and luigi and and wilma from the flintstones so like things like that um i I know toronto at some point had wrestling at anime conventions and those are always crazy and fun and ridiculous a lot of battle royals i'll say um you know what i guess you also got to throw up the Hardys, all the stuff that we did there with the Hardys, you know, with Tag Team Apocalypto. I was shot out of a volcano. Right. <laughs> um, you mean I had a drone shoot fireworks at my face? Uh, you know, like I, the Hardy stuff has got to be number one. It's got to be as far as ridiculous and outrageous and, and crazy and all that stuff. It's got to be uh, both instances the Tag Team Apocalypto, what we did with the Hardys, and the Great War and, uh, Delete versus Decay, of course, all, all that stuff. All that stuff was, again, 
just absolutely ridiculous. And it was so much fun. And at a time where wrestling fans wanted that too, they were in on, they were in on the joke. They wanted it to be ridiculous. And it was such a fun creative process to just to, to do. And like, both Matt and Jeff were completely out of their minds as well. So the idea that, oh, Jeff just built a volcano in his backyard. So we got that to play with. Like, what? Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So. It's just a gigantic science experiment for his kids that he was like, wait a second, all these volcanoes that they built for school science experiments, let's do a gigantic one in the backyard yeah. and use it for this yeah. wrestling skit. Yeah, absolutely. He would just do that because that's just Jeff. Right. Like it doesn't, he doesn't have to have the excuse of kids. He's got it, but he doesn't need it, man. Like, you know, so, and he's so artsy. He's got to do stuff outside of wrestling like that. So he built this volcano is probably originally was probably for jumping his dirt bikes in his backyard. Right. So he's like, well, we'll just make it into a volcano. Why not? And sure enough, they did. And I was shot out of it. (laughs) I mean, yeah. How many guys are going to be able to go out in their life, in their career and be like, Hey, you ever been shot out of a volcano? That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably something that wasn't even on your bucket list. You know, you know I mean? how could it have not even close? <laughs> so, not even close. <laughs> so what's on your bucket list then? What's on your bucket list left that you really think that like you really want to accomplish? Oh wow. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um I want to continue to perform at a high level, but I realize like age will slowly win that battle. Right. Um, So with that being said, it's on my bucket list to try to perform in front of the biggest stages in front of the most people. Um, Cause I'm, I've done pay-per-views and I've done that stuff and it's awesome. I love to do it, but I've accomplished those dragons. So now I'm trying to chase other dragons. And so the work that I'm doing right now has been, super uh like it's been awesome it's been super fulfilling from an artistic standpoint from a physical standpoint too um so it's tough to say it's really tough to say i i think like the biggest thing for me right now is i'm on like this upward trajectory and i want to continue to ride that and see as see how far i can take that um I would love to wrestle in Japan one day. I think that would be fantastic. I would love to do that at least once. Um, have, you talked to, have you talked to anybody there? I have not. I don't have, I have, I have contacts, but I haven't reached out in like in, in, a, in a while to do right. so. Um, but I would do, I would love to, to, to see how I could do in Japan and see what that, you know, with the character and with everything like that, how well that would go. Um, and as far as like, I don't know, championships and titles and stuff like that, if that comes my way, then that's fine. But it's some that's somewhat out of my control. At the same time, as a as a performer, it's not like I can walk in and book myself into world title matches. That's not how that works, right? right? You know, there's only so much that you can do as a performer with what we're given and what we're asked to do, um, and so. I'm a professional. I'm going to do the best at, you know, whatever it is that you asked me to do. And I'm pretty artsy and I'm pretty creative. So I'll throw my two cents in there as well. But the idea of like, Hey man, I think I should just 
be the world champion and beat everybody. <laughs> it's not really how that works. That's not really well, how it is. Works. It is. You just have to start your own promotion. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm not interested in losing all that money. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just, that yeah. how it goes. I'm going to start my own yeah. promotion. I'm going to put the belt on me and I'm just going to waste all of my 401k <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Um, I think like one of my biggest uh, goals that I would like to accomplish is to continue to tell stories in wrestling, you know, like, and that's more important to me than having, you know, match of the night or, you know, doing all that stuff. It's not, I, I, I that's my style of wrestling. And I, you don't always get that opportunity for the last three or four years with impact. All I was asked to do is like six to eight minute matches that were pretty much, they were cold. There was no story put into them or anything like that. And that was my job. And I went out and I did it well. Um, where now I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to tell more stories. And that is what I want to really, really uh, sink my teeth into and see how far that can go. Because to me, that was, that's what I remember the most out of professional wrestling. You know what I mean, like I, you know, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan wrestled each other at WrestleMania five. And I remember that. It's awesome. But it, it's everything that led up to that that made it special Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the giant was special because it, it was one it's impressive but two it's the emotional effect it had on me the viewer watching my hero topple this you know this giant of a man um so I can you know I can see all of the shooting star presses and 450 splashes all day and it's impressive don't get me wrong it's very impressive and it deserves its respect but for me personally, I think my strengths lie in storytelling. And so I want to have the opportunity to play to those strengths as best as I possibly can while I'm still able to physically do this. Is that a good way of putting it? It's fantastic. So when the, when the story is being written, when the book is being written, and obviously, you know, the, the, the Crazy Steve saga, the story of Crazy Steve when it is written, um, what do you hope is said about you? Um, this is this comes like specifically from examples of Eric Young and uh, and Abyss Chris Park. Anybody who talks about those human beings has nothing but good things to say about them. Like from a coworker standpoint to the fans. Uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, you're always going to have your haters and stuff like that. I, I understand that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about, you know, any any person who has come in contact with those two human beings in my lifetime has always had good things to say about them, um, especially when I'm at autograph signings, you know, because of decay and stuff like that. A lot of people come up to me and they say, hey, do you still talk to Abyss? And like, man, I met him at this show and he's so awesome. And like... It's like he's right there. He's it's because of these people keeping him alive. And it's, it's not like he's gone anywhere either. That's not what I'm trying to say. But like, again, it's like he was sitting right beside me because they have so much positivity and passion in their voice when they talk about these two people that I would like that same thing. You know, like you can, however you judge my in-ring abilities, that's up to you. I don't care because I'm doing it and I'm having fun doing it. But outside of the ring or, or, you know, in any capacity that we work together, I would like 
whoever is kind of whoever's come in contact with me to have those types of things to say to me and speak of me in um a positive you know a positive way i don't i don't have this the drive to have them say he's he was the best wrestler in the world because that's never been my goal um but you know uh, i just want them to speak in in that kind of a light like whether it's from a storyline perspective or or a personal perspective or something like that i would like to be remembered in that kind of a light well i can tell you first and foremost that if anybody comes to me and asks me any questions uh it'll be nothing nothing but horrible things that i will say about you perfect um, that is- <laughs> <laughs> And 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 yeah, and, tr- and they will all be lies. Every yeah. one of them will be an exaggeration. It'll be a lie like they've never heard before. Like, what do you mean he's responsible for starting World War II? Oh yeah, you have no idea what kind of a horrible human being <laughs> Crazy Steve really Blind? was. Blind? I heard he he's been driving this whole time. He's been working everybody. Yeah, those aren't even real glasses. Lives. That's right. That's right. It's been a lie this whole time. Uh, that's amazing steve uh listen thank you so much for joining us here on the law live audio wrestling uh you know i I, i'm i'm sure that you listened to all of this when when you were younger and it's nice to have it back and it's it's oh so nice to have you on here telling a little bit of your story and like i said it's not a we don't do these typical you know like, what do you think about your match coming up with so-and-so? No, we try to get a lot more personable, a lot more uh, locker room talk, so to speak. It's just it's just me talking to you, and we're just having a good time. I hope that you had a great time uh, talking with me. Actually, I don't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you will always go down as one of my favorite human beings, uh, not just in wrestling, but in life. Um, and I appreciate everything that you do for the business. I just want to say that first and foremost, um, you have become, you've become a story inside of this business, um, that I think a lot more people should know about, um, because your, your determination, uh, to do something that should have been so far out of your reach, so far out of your realm right of 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 being able to not just physically but mentally be able to do you know um mm-hmm. it's it's a testament to what kind of a human being you are and i can rest you can rest assured knowing that when people do talk about you um even though it's behind your back they are saying nothing but good things steve trust well, me well thank you so much you know what i, I, mean? I do appreciate um, that uh dude yeah you gotta stop you gotta stop that's too much uh no honestly i i appreciate it i appreciate the glowing introduction you gave me as well um talking to you is it's easy you know what i mean if if you were looking for this type of like a type of conversation that we were to have a locker room type this is the one to have because it's we go back so far and it's it's easy and i and i am uh you know i'm I'm, i am an open book and it's uh i happy to do this i'd be happy to come back uh Anytime I get to chit chat with you and kind of catch up with you is always a fantastic time. So thank you so much for inviting me. Um, and I hope this was enjoyable for the listeners too, as well. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. And uh, you know, on that note, uh, we will be right back to wrap this entire thing up. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to the law live audio wrestling right here.
TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. See? See, what did I tell you, Brady? What did I tell you? I mean... What an unbelievable human being and an unbelievable talent. Thank you so much to Crazy Steve for joining us this week on The Law Live Audio Wrestling. Uh, if you haven't yet, go over and follow us on Twitter. That is at The Law Wrestling. Uh, you can also listen to us, you know, um, on all of your podcast providers. You can listen to us on SNME. Uh, please follow them. Give them a follow as well. I don't think I've got much more to say about this week, man. Do you? No, I uh, thank you to the listeners for, for listening uh, to this week's episode. And thank you for checking out uh, Impact or TNA, Bound for Glory. If you haven't, go back and check that out. It should be yeah. still available on uh, the pay-per-view provider. Also, check out two, UFC 294. It's just Absolutely. the main card itself is worth it. But the entire, whether they were decisions or not, the entire card actually was fantastic. Uh, watching Johnny Walker freak out. Um, yeah. And save this on your podcast provider. If you're wherever you're listening to this, uh, please give us a rating. We're trying to get smashed up through the algorithms. I know we're already growing. You guys are blowing us up already, but everything helps. It helps pay the bills along with the sponsors and such. And next week, I'm going to give you a, a, the quick preview. It's going to be our Halloween-ish episode. And we have a very special interview with the one and only your friend for a very long time, the Blue Meanie. Blue Dust, the Blue Meanie, <laughs> Blue Jack. Uh, all, I mean, listen, I went to a I went to a Halloween party with him. OK, where he was Big Papa Smurf. That's oh right. A combination, goodness. a combination, a blue combination of Big Papa Pump and Papa Smurf. This is one of my, my favorite human beings in all of life. So I'm excited about that one. Stay tuned to the law and check out smneradio.com or facebook.com slash smneradio or any podcast provider for SMNE Radio. All the lovely folks over there doing reviews of every single thing in wrestling. Like literally daily, there's something going out. So check out those guys, add them to the roster. Chris, thanks for having me as your co-host once again. You got anything we want to say before we uh, roll this ride out? Absolutely, everybody. Thank you. Be safe out there. And as always, tuck your chin. Thank you for listening to The Law, live audio wrestling with Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. You can email any questions or comments to be read on air to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com. 